0: What's going on traders? Good morning. Welcome back. Of course, pre-market prep. We're ready to get this week started. Get it off. Of course, the Hollywood writer's strike. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about Amazon and AI. Comments from Morgan Stanley's Michael Wilson. We'll get into Warren Buffett. We'll take a look at this week's major earnings and what could be coming up. And then, of course, we'll get into some analyst ratings. Looks like Jeffries is out and about. Will oil go higher? And our guest today is Matthew Tuttle. And we got a surprise for you guys. You guys are going to be interested in that conversation. Stick around, rise and shine. It's pre market pep, and let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. i am been a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Can you hear me?
1: We, Mitch, we can't hear you. Mitch is trying to work on it. I'm hoping you guys can hear me. He's just put me to the front. So, chat, let me know if you can hear me. Can,
0: can you go. guys hear me? Can you guys hear we me? Hear,
1: we hear Mitch now. We hear you okay, now, Okay,
0: okay. I don't know what happened there. I think something happened. Even my camera... Like went down there. Yeah, your camera's still, still down, so we
1: can't see you, but we can hear you, and they hear me. Okay, so all right. All right so tell up. us about the market. We haven't had tennis. technical hiccups in a long time. We've been running like for I feel like a year. You haven't had any like real technical. I mean, Joel goes on mute all the time, but that's just Joel. <laughs> so, but I feel like we haven't had any real technical hiccups. In you guys time. know me. I'll be, I'll be. I'll be back. Thing.
0: A- a- am I good now, guys? Yeah, I, I think good? You're good. I don't know. I I think think something happened with my mic program there, like my GoXLR, because I I think it just restarted there. But all All right, right. guys, we're we're good here. All right, let's get back to the action. The spy's down a little bit. I asked in the beginning what I was talking about was we'll be looking, of course, to see if the market can bounce back. It's been about, what, now three, four days of straight red action. So what are you seeing in the markets, Dennis? What are you thinking?
1: I keep thinking we're going to get a bounce, like, you know, like I'm hoping. And again, I'm underinvested. I'm not looking to buy any stocks. I've bought nothing. People keep asking, what are you buying as this pullback? Nothing. I'm selling rips, but there just hasn't been any rips to sell the last couple of days. I mean, we get these small little pops and you try to use that opportunity, but there really hasn't been much. It's pretty much been straight down for three days. So, I mean, you've got bulls all caught all over the place. The bears are in complete control. So, I'm just looking at rips, hoping to get short some stocks if we ever start popping up. I see no reason to be a hero here and say, yeah, we're turning around. This is the bottom. I mean, at a certain point in time, are we going to get a bounce? Yeah, we're going to get a bounce. Nothing goes straight down. But are we oversold? On a lot of stocks, for sure. We were talking ARKK this morning here, Money Mitch. Stock is down, stock ETF is down. From the highs where it was 4516 back eight days ago. It's down 20% in eight days. This is a quiet little like crash in a lot of you know these, you know, smaller named zombie type companies there. And we know Kathy Wood's full of them. I mean, she's perilously close to like we're starting to talk about not, you know, 52-week low, but we're starting to talk about 2023 low. She's only four bucks away from the 2023 low. Now the 52-week low is way down twenty-nine. That's obviously the October bottom, but, you know, does she have a date back with the October bottoms again? Well, that probably depends on what, you know, happens with a lot of these zombie companies that she owns. But it's been an ugly three, four, five days for the market with really no bounce, kind of out of the blue. And I know there's a lot of people really excited to buy stocks. I don't think this is the buying opportunity of the century here. I think we're going to get a pop, eventually a small one, and that's going to be another selling
0: opportunity because I think we're going a hell of a lot lower. Let's get into the Hollywood writer's strike. Of course, we can bring this up with Netflix. You can take a look at Disney. There's plenty of stocks that this actually gets into. But the Hollywood writer's strike and studio may be inching closer to resolving their ongoing disputes. Talks between the Writers Guild of America and Alliance of Motion Pictures and Tele. Vision producers have resumed after months of negotiation. These talks have led to a tentative labor agreement that if finalized could finally bring an end to the writer strike that disrupted the entertainment industry. Do you think finally these stocks can catch a bounce, Dennis? Um no, I think you're gonna get this bounce and we predicted
1: this that there's going to be a little bounce when they get the official announcement, which it sounds like is coming or if it's you no know, it's very close to being you know a done deal. Gonna get a bounce, but all of these stocks are still in a in a world of pain. I mean, Disney's right near the 52-week lows. It's just heavy supply, overhead supply everywhere. It's you know it is near the October. It's a seven or eight-year low for Disney, but again, so many issues here, and especially if we start to get a slowdown here, because those parks had been firing on all cylinders. We keep talking about that, and all of their other businesses not doing well. Then you start losing the parks and you're like, holy cow, what's that mean for Disney? Now they're going to invest another $60 billion there. Obviously not intending to reinstate the dividend anytime soon. No real reason to get excited about this. You know, if you want to take a shot at 80, I mean, it is major support. So I'll give you that. And sometimes, you know, major support can hold for stocks. It's not going down much, you know, in the last, you know, couple of weeks, which is, you know, a bonus thing too, to say like the relative strength's been okay with Disney, but just because it's been killed so bad." You know, there's so many people that are underwater with the thing that they're just, you know, it's, it's seller exhaustion more than this huge opportunity here. But you look at other stocks that are getting a lift on this this morning. Para is up paramount. And have you seen Para? P-A-R-A. I mean, look at this stock.
0: This was $24 it, back in the day. I, I said half. it right in the, remember Warren bought this. I was right. like, why? Yeah. Like They pay him to buy this? Because I'm like, yeah. man, why on earth would you buy this company? We,
1: we are coming back on PARA. Forget about, you know, the October lows. Those are long gone. We're way below yeah. that. But we're actually not that far from the COVID low on yeah, PARA, right which here. was $10. bucks. we are not that far. This thing had $100. Remember when whatever with that hedge fund manager oh that was God. buying it all and he blew up? What a gift that was. I mean, we talked about that on the show back then. I was like, I don't know where this party ends, but this is a huge gift. What a gift that was in Para, down back here. Now, I mean, all of these stocks, Fox, the ones that are all lifting on these are all complete dogs. Warner Brothers, Hell. Discovery. You're talking about stocks that are all at seven, eight year lows, basically seven, eight year lows. So, any pop you gift, get is just given, all, it's just overhead supply coming into all these stocks. They're not going up 10, 20% on this stuff. They get a one, two, three, maybe 5% pop, and then it's probably a selling opportunity. So I don't own any of these stocks and I don't want to own any of these stocks.
0: I think this weighs in exactly what Morgan Stanley's Michael Wilson was warning over the weekend. A warning of increasing risk for the U.S. consumer and stocks citing factors such as the slowing consumer spending, student loan payments resuming, rising delinquencies, higher gas prices and weaker housing data. This comes after the consumer discretionary sector, including Amazon and Tesla, outperformed with a 26% gain this year, but stumbled as the Federal Reserve hinted for prolonged higher interest rates. Goldman Sachs also expects underperformance and Jeffries downgraded retailers, anticipating reduced consumer spending. Wilson advised investors to avoid certain sectors and instead balance large cap defensive growth with late cycle cycle uh, cyclical winners like energy and industrials what do you think about just this remember more, Michael yeah, Wilson? yeah
1: yeah just remember that Mike Wilson has had this market very wrong for a long time he has been you know in this last year just wrong all over the place obviously bearish the entire year he started turning around and going to neutral and I called it the Mike Wilson top actually when he did that and it mm-hmm. actually worked out, you know, perfectly that he topped stocks. I believe this was back in July when he finally kind of threw in the towel on his bear thesis. And he didn't completely throw in the towel, but he was like going neutral, you know, basically saying, you know, that he had been wrong and stocks are going up and kind of, you know, throwing away this big bearish thesis. Well, now the stocks are starting to go down heavy again. He's getting right back on his own bandwagon. I mean, he's been chopped up. So basically bearish all year until July started getting bullish right at the top. Now he's full on going bearish here again. So that spooks me a little bit because this guy's been dead wrong all year. Um, So that's the only thing that kind of spooks me. But I mean, there's a lot. The one issue we do have for the Bears is that everybody is bearish now. We had a lot of people bearish before. Now it seems like everybody is bearish. It's hard to find bulls out there at this point in time. I mean, a lot of stocks below, below their 200 days, which a lot of technical analysts on Twitter They're all technical analysts on Twitter use. I mean, I was seeing this and I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but this is showing you peak bearishness to a certain extent. That's why I think, you know, I'd be careful to selling in the hole here. I think you need a pop before you start selling. But did you see this tweet going around all weekend? I saw from multiple people. I don't know if you can find it here, Mitch, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it was showing a chart, a technical chart, and then it was comparing it to the 1987 crash. And they're like the chart kind of pattern before it looks the same as what we're in right now, and they're yeah. basically implying that we've got a crash maybe going to happen this week or next week. And I'm like, come on, you know. Yeah. And, and this is what you know you're seeing. This is 1987, this 1987, and the bears are running with this. It's the same chart pattern, and here comes the 27% crash. <laughs> That's not happening, folks. One we got circuit breakers, so they don't even allow it to happen. You know, back in 1987, they didn't have those yeah. circuit breakers. It's just a different type of market here now. So we're not crashing 27% this week. So the one thing is, you know, we've been bearish on this show for a bit, but it is like spread and running rampant now. So it's like feeling like peak bearishness out there. That's the one issue that I would have with going on and shorting stocks right now. I mean, we just fell. Give a perspective. We felt fell 200s S&P points in seven days. That's a 5% fall in seven days. You are now selling in the hole, meaning you're selling after a significant drop. I think if you needed to sell stocks, you needed to do it a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, even two months ago. Now you're coming in and there's a lot of stocks that are just well you know, below where they were a month ago. So I, I think getting bearish now is a little bit late to the
0: party. I agree with that. But let's go to the factors that he's stating here and see if he's wrong on those factors, right? So the first one, slowing consumer spending. I think we can clearly see that,
1: right? And and that's why the market is going down. We're starting to see that. I mean, you can clearly see it even in the in the airlines. We've been talking mm-hmm. about the airlines. I mean, travel. Yeah. Consumers oh, just are to, slowing spending just other stuff. Uh,
0: but- Yep. I'm sorry to interrupt there. Just to say, I'm all out of American Airlines. I had to oh, cut you it, sold it you? I still got I the had small to cut piece.
1: It. I still got the small piece of American I, I Airlines. I And to I was myself. looking over the portfolio, the long-term portfolio over the weekend, and I'm like, everything I bought was crap. Like, for sure, everything I bought. That's how it happened. Everything I man. sold was awesome. I mean, this is what bear markets are all about, right? You love yeah. your sales and you don't like your buys. But you know, you look at it and you think, nah, you gotta own something if you're a long-term investor. Like I've got, you know, this, you know, money that I've got, my RSP. I have I'll, I'll tell you this is I own almost no stocks outside my registered money here. And I used to own a mm-hmm. lot of stocks outside my registered money. But I'm like, I just don't see a reason to take on short-term risk. Like, you know, when we were in the 2020 bull market, I was like on margin buying stocks and stuff and yeah. my longer term accounts, because everything was just going up. I was like in, in the one I had Scotia and I had, you know, some stuff in the swing trading account there. I was like stuff, was just moving. man. Stuff was just going. There was an opportunity there to make a lot of money on the bull side. And it was good years on the bull side, even though it didn't make any sense. And I kept saying it doesn't make any sense. It just worked, you know, stuff was working. Kathy Wood buys a stock, it goes up 20%, stuff was just working. We're not in that environment anymore, I keep saying it, you know, we've just been not in that environment for a long time, so it's just not that easy anymore, but, you know, there's some stocks that, you know, are holding up fairly well, but I think like we were saying last week, they're starting to come for the leaders here too, so back to your point here about, you know, the spending, you know, and the consumers being more strapped, I mean, We can look at airlines, but the automotives have all been bad here, too. Tesla, which was supposed to be benefiting, according to Dan Ives, from the GM and Ford Strike. Well, that's no longer the case. Gordo's dead right on that segment because stock's down 20 straight points here. Um, We're looking at a 241 here now. There's a lot of issues. But again, I don't want to just turn around and just say, sell everything at this point in time,
0: because I think you're too late to sell everything. I think you're definitely late on the party. I think we could all agree for sure for the trades, right? Now, the only question is, will what Mike Wilson's pointing to continue to show up? Now, one thing, of course, the student loan payments, and I got this wrong on Friday. I I went after it, team. I went after the SoFi trade, got it wrong. Always going to tell you guys when I get it wrong sometimes. But this is another trade that some people are looking at, with the student loan payments coming back in October, right? We're what a week away from this actually hitting the tape, where you'll see the news actually hit. Will this play into also the consumer slowdown? That's what a lot of people are talking out there, Dennis. They're thinking, okay, well, the consumer's already slowing down. Now they're going to have to be paying these student loans again. And for some people, this could be, you know, a 100 to 300, maybe even $500 monthly payment that's coming back. I
1: mean, just technically here, and you know, I know why you sold it because we breached that support. We talked about this on Friday. And we're like, it's major support, and you can take a shot if you want to take a shot. But if it starts going down below seven fifty, you don't want any part of it. It's below <laughs> exactly
0: where I cut it, Dennis. So I don't want any <laughs> part of it now.
1: You can take a shot on anything, just don't get stuck yeah. in it. Like, it's too many people will be like, I'll take a shot at eight, and now it's seven fifty. It's like, well, I don't want to lose the fifty cents. And then this thing's at like five bucks or four bucks six months yeah. from now. You're like, you lost half your money. Like, how did that happen? don't let the long term the short-term trades become long-term investments in the bad way meaning you know you don't want to take the loss you got to eat the losses it's all about it is that's all this that's all trading is it's eating losses knowing how to cut when to cut not getting shaken up too much but you know this is clearly breaking support here now I don't see any technical reason to own this unless it's over eight bucks.
0: Amazon e-commerce giant is making significant strides in the world of AI and their groundbreaking moves announced on Monday Amazon revealed its plans to invest up to four billion in AI firm anthropic and acquire a minority ownership stake in the company this move underscores amazon's determination to keep pace with industry rivals such as microsoft and alphabet google the two firms have entered into its strategic collaboration here to advance generative ai uh, with amazon web service as its primary cloud provider what do you think about this move dennis is it just too late to the party on ai yeah. None of it matters.
1: I get the little AI pop here this morning and people are like, ooh, the bots are all excited. And there's going to be more sellers. There's overhead supply everywhere here now. I do have this in my long-term portfolio, my wife's RSP, which is her registered money in her long-term account, uh, probably because she buys from Amazon every day. (laughs) And I feel like she's just paying herself. I jokingly say that. Uh, We picked it up at like 107, 108. And it's been a good one. Probably should have sold it. I mean, this is down significantly here now, and I think if you're trying to buy it here, you're catching a falling knife. So completely talking against my wife's book here, but I, you know, if this was on for a trade, I'd be selling it in all rallies. I again, I don't want to go 100% cash. So I got to own something. I was looking. I think I own like 20 stocks overall in my long-term portfolio. Here's some perspective for you. In 2000, twenty in 2020, like during the COVID madness. At one point yeah. in time, I believe I own 93 stocks, my long-term portfolio, 93. I believe I am down to 20. And I'm not talking about like, you know, like it's all like my overall dollars invested has probably, you know, down like 70% from what I had invested to what I have now in stocks. So I'm like, I have significant, it's not like I've just taken those 93 and consolidated them to 20. Now I just sold, I didn't buy more stuff. You know, I owned Google, I owned Microsoft, I owned Apple, I owned Amazon. I owned all these stocks, my long-term portfolio. I don't. The only one I have is the Amazon, which is the which is the position of my wife's account, because she wanted to own it. And you know what? I'm, I don't mind owning something, but I mean, I'm concerned. It's not a lot of points in time. I've never. I'll say this. I don't think I've ever had this little stock exposure probably in 20 years from a dollar's perspective, I've probably never had this little of exposure. So even though I'm like 50% cash only in that long-term account, what I didn't say is like, I've been taking money out of that long-term account. So I'm like, when I look at it, it's it's kind of, you know, well, not taking money out of the RSP, but I had like money invested in other long-term accounts too. And I've liquidated those. And they're all sitting just with like 5% GICs, 5.5% GICs, which is the, G, you know, the money. And the reason for that is all these Mike Wilson concerns that we've been talking about. And you know what? I've been dead wrong on this. I've been dead wrong on this because I should have been in the market in March and April and May and June and July. And the market went way up. But I still think it's coming. And I feel like if I'm just coming in here now and saying, oh, I missed and this is my big opportunity to get back in, I think there's a lot more pain ahead here. And it's all risk-reward for me.
0: I just don't want to take Mm -hmm. the risk. I think one thing uh, I'd be thinking about, of course, is that we are getting to kind of that oversold period, so of course, it's not going to be straight down. but one thing that makes sense to me, and I, I have it drawn here, is what about the classic 50 percent retracement of that rally that we had, right? That would actually bring us down closer towards 420 area.: um, Yeah so there that's kind go. of That's kind of one area that I'm just thinking about, just right off the top of my yeah. head, right, is just draw a little fib. From the top run, from the bottom run, of course, the run kind of started in that, I would say, that March 13th area where we started actually to run. And that brings us back there, right? And I think that that kind of makes sense. Now, could we be a little bit choppy from here too? Yeah, we could make a move maybe back towards the 430s and then chop down a little bit further. I think one of the things, and you've mentioned this last week, Dennis, is what is the positive that comes into the market here? That's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to think, like, that comes what is in this it?
1: market. And what the bulls keep saying is they're going to lower interest rates and that's the positive. And that is the positive, but you know what comes before that? The economy falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So what? It's there's an order of operation here. Fed is not going to lower rates until the economy falls off a cliff. So forget about the pivot. The economy is going to fall off a cliff. you think if we start seeing Apple Warren and Microsoft Warren, these stocks aren't going lower, So it's like timing. It's like, let's get some major warnings. Let's get the Fed nervous. And that's when we're going to actually buy stocks, when they start to actually pivot. And they're like, "Okay, we're going to lower rates. Because let's just look at what the buying opportunity or the selling opportunity was. They told us in August of 2022, we're going to go into a rate. You know, we're going to start racking up and jacking up rates. And the market ignored it. Until like November, December of 2022. And that's when we really started to sell off was when they actually started to raise rates. It was almost like the market was calling the bluff. And again, I'm going to go into this thesis that the market is full of stupid money and prices in nothing. So this market has not priced in all this slowdown. This market has not priced in economy falling off a cliff. This market is still priced for a soft landing. And folks, that ship has sailed. There will be no soft landing. I am saying it now. I have no crystal ball, but my opinion, there will be no soft landing. And that is why I continue to like getting paid 5.5% on cash as opposed to taking risk in stocks for a long-term proposition of 9 to 10. I think you're just too much risk versus reward here. And that's all trading and investing is, is risk-reward. The risk here is astronomical because nosebleed valuations
0: and the setup here is just not great. Just want to say yes or no to this, Dennis. And uh, right now, if I look at the probabilities on the CME Fed tool, it has by December of next year, a 94.3% chance that we eased interest rates. And they're going to be right. It's going to be right because the economy's going to fall off a cliff for them to do that.
1: That's what the people aren't thinking. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to lower rates and they're going to lower rates, but they're going to lower it because the economy is falling off a cliff. That's why they're going to lower it. And that's going to happen. i I said this in the show last week. I think they're going to lower rates in the first quarter of 2023, because I or 2024. I think they're going to lower rates in the next six months, maybe in the next four months, because they're going to have to, because consumer spending is going to go. That's right, what well, and that's what the market it. is now realizing. That is why we are selling off here, folks. The market is starting to realize that this fairy tale soft landing. Built by an AI bubble, to your point, Mitch, the AI bubble drove all of this. There's so many stocks. and There are so many stocks that are sitting down near 52-week lows. So many of them. The only ones are the big ones in the indexes that have held up, the apples. That seem to be, you know, just look at Apple today. Doesn't go down. Trying to hold up. Doesn't go down. Well, you know why? Because they think this AI is coming to save everything. Our phones are going to just do everything for us on their own. The AI phones coming. 2016 16 will be AI phone. You don't even have to do anything. It'll just do everything for you. Come on. We're all pipe dreaming here. This AI
0: is still going to change the world,
1: but it's not changing it
0: tomorrow. Billionaire investor Warren Buffett has made some new moves in the market. His company, Berkshire Hathaway, sold over 4.7 million shares of HP at an average price of $26.98 per share. This move is a significant divestment of the company's holdings in HP. What is Warren telling us here, Dennis? Warren's telling us he don't want to own stocks. He hasn't really bought anything
1: of significance here. And why is he selling? Why is he now so nervous on HPQ? What's, yeah. What is What is up here? Because now he's sold again. And I forget who said it in the chat, but props to the person who said in the chat. Because when he came out with the first sale, and I'm like, that's pretty significant. But he was saying he's probably not selling all at once. And now another sale comes in. So that means he's slowly trying to liquidate. And he's selling this HPQ at a loss. Because this thing, where it is at, is almost at a 52-week low, and he was buying the stock recently. So, I mean, he's selling it at a loss. And you know what else with HPQ? Go to, yeah. your, go to your trusty Benzinga Pro. Go in details. Type in HPQ. The PE on HPQ is 11. The forward PE is 7. This stock Ooh. is ridiculously cheap relative to the market. But is it cheap for a reason? Is it that PC demand is going to fall off a cliff? Is it that, you know, like... Consumer demand, which we've been talking about, another one of these things. Well, I'm not going to go buy a new computer next week because it's like, I don't feel like dropping the thousand bucks. Again, this is a kind of a discretionary purchase, not for everyone, but for some people. It's like, I don't need to. And that's why I think you're going to have with this Apple upgrade cycle that they were all pumping. I don't think it's going to be a little bit of a disappointment coming here, too, because of consumer demand. But, I mean, HPQ, Warren's selling this. Warren is smarter than most of us. And, you know, I would say the majority of investors out there. And he's nervous. He hasn't bought much. He's nervous. Makes me nervous.
0: Yeah, he sold five point five million shares, sold between uh, June 30th and now into September 13th. And so in between there, the average price was twenty eight eighty one. And you just mentioned it there. His average buy price, at least calculated by hedge follow, is around thirty five seventy eight. So he's down about twenty-five percent in this position and he's selling at the loss and he's he's willing to get rid of it right
1: and so there's a reason why something he's nervous about something and maybe he's correct and i mean he sold the airlines at a bad time so he has made mistakes before but this doesn't make me feel all like oh it's not like warren's backing up the truck and buying stocks here we're not seeing him buy anything he hasn't bought much he's been sitting with a huge amount of cash too you know what he listens to pre-market prep He's, well, our our opinion is derived from war in action as well. I mean, you can look at it, but there's just a lot of things that just don't make a hell of a lot of sense here. From a business investment standpoint, stocks are just a business investment. It doesn't make sense on certain things. I don't understand. You know what would be really, though, mess up this market? You want to know what would really mess this market up? Is if we saw any filing of him selling any portion of Apple. Because Mm. the one thing, when he's so high, when yeah. he's got the 10%, when you're over 10%, you got to disclose within like that 48-hour period. I think it's something, uh, it might be 72 yeah. hours. But you got to disclose. You can't wait the 45 days. So that's why we're seeing the HPQ because he's over 10% ownership. So he has to disclose it within like that 48 to 72-hour period. If we saw a filing where he sold any shares of Apple, what would Apple do that day? What would Apple do? If we saw that Warren Buffett sold any shares of Apple, like one filing just sold some shares of Apple, what do you think Apple does that day? I think it, it falls 5% on that filing. I think it gets hammered. Yeah, He owns so much Apple, man. I'd be nervous. I'm, I am I want to go into his account and sell his Apple for him. I am so nervous on Apple. The head and shoulders, which I'm not even a technical trader, but the setup, 30 times earnings. It's, I don't know it's 28 now, but when we've been complaining about it and hating on it, it was 30 times. I mean, I had my Apple. Warren, I had my Apple in my long-term portfolio for a decade. And I rang the register and I'm averaged out around this price. You know, I rang the register last year and then it went down significantly. It's come all the way back up. I feel like this is the second chance to get out of Apple because everybody thinks, oh, Apple just goes up every, you know, goes goes up 20% a year forever and in perpetuity. The company's huge in their cash cow. They haven't come out with anything new since Steve Jobs died. The honest truth. Apple's come out with nothing new. We've made the iPhone a little bit better. Oh, we're coming out with some. Goggles or something for like metaverse crap. They've come out with nothing really awesome since Steve Jobs. Seriously, they've just been milking, milking, milking that iPhone cash cow. And it is the massive cash cow, the biggest one that the stock market has ever seen. They continue to milk it. But, you know, we make a little better camera. We give you a little more memory, make it a little faster. We change the charger. These aren't innovations. (laughs) This is just, you know, making the wheel a little more round. This isn't like groundbreaking innovations here. We're paying 30 times earnings for this. Sold to you. And you know what, Buffett, I hope you're listening. I want to go in your account and sell your Apple for you because I
0: think there's a reckoning day for Apple shareholders. And I think that day is coming soon. This week's earnings, let's take a look at some of the major reports this week. Of course, there's others, but you guys definitely keep up with all that with Benzinga Pro. You guys got a calendar there to kind of keep a watch. So Wednesday after the bell, we'll get Micron. And I think that's definitely one that I'll be watching. Um, what do you think about Micron? Lately, it's been hanging up here towards like 70, looking like it wants to push, but of course, tech coming down here. Will this maybe come back down to the 60 support? Yeah,
1: I think so. Ready to fall off a cliff here. I trade Micron horribly. I'm the worst Micron trader ever. I've actually wrote it down on a piece of paper to stop trading Micron because I just don't trade this well. So maybe you want to do the opposite of me in Micron. I just trade it very (laughs) bad, but I think it's going lower.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, one thing that's good you're admitting there. And I think that we all need to have stocks like that, that we just realize, hey, I don't trade this well. Even though I I see setups sometimes, I'm just going to avoid it because there's so many other plays in the market. Good information there, Dennis. Let's get to Nike Thursday after the bell. What do you think about this stock? Of course, it's been falling off a cliff. I think a big part of this is showing you that consumer slowdown, right? And also, China not getting better either
1: everybody keeps telling me how you want to own nike 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 and it keeps going lower so i mean we did bounce one thing we got let's look at the october lows 82 dollars. that's major support you're seven bucks away from there you think you're not testing it i think you're eventually testing it so consumer slowing down all adds up to a retest of the october lows now would we take a shot at the october lows that's a five-year low so do you take a shot on nike at 82 Maybe if you are a hundred percent cash and you're looking at something your long-term portfolio, maybe, but everything just the recipe just adds up to the stock retesting the October lows around 82.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens on that outlook there. KMX is the last one that I'll get to. At least earnings outlook Carmax. And the reason I wanted to bring this is it also had a ratings upgrade today. Is that what we saw, Dennis? I'm pretty sure you caught that. Uh take a look at that rating for me. But I did want to bring in just recently. Uh, This company had an analyst putting out there that delinquencies were increasing, right? We've been seeing uh, used car delinquencies going up. CarMax, of course, you guys see the high interest rates, consumer slowing down. I think you might see CarMax and new car companies take a hit. Used car companies also take a hit. Um.
2: Sorry, the truth a is, is that
1: I'm still on the. Con- I, they're all wound up on the Apple rant that I just had in the chat. So oh, some I'm people sure. love it, some people hate it. I'm sure, like I've said before, Carmax just not that interesting to me. It does report earnings. I'm not interested in owning stocks. Again, owning stocks ahead of reports usually still pays the bills as long as you hedge it outright. Um, it's working today because of the upgrade here. So there is a lift. You know, to use cars, get a lift. If we're going to stop buying new cars, maybe, but that's reaching too. Consumer slows down. They probably don't buy used cars either if they don't have to. So I don't really care for CarMax either. I'd be a seller. Going back to this Apple conversation, just before we bring on yeah, um, our guest, um, the, the chat's all wound up. So I think you know, obviously, I'm very opinionated. I've been wrong on Apple here for the last five months, but I was right on it for the five months before that. So I think. And I was right on that for about the last decade. I just think like everybody, you know, is looking, you got to consider what happened with Apple. And I'm going to just give it again, because maybe people are new to the show or listening when Apple, when I was buying it back in 2011 and 2012 and 2013, my buddy, Chris was like, you know, when when the iPhones first came out, he's like, this is what you got to own. And he made, I mean, millions of dollars in Apple. So, I mean, just a huge amount of money buying it. But it was trading 11, 12 times earnings. It was growing earnings so fast that the PE couldn't even keep up. Like the the, the price of the stock couldn't even keep up with it because they were growing earnings so fast. Then they were jacking up the price of the stock. But the PE was still staying low because the earnings were just growing so quickly. People were paying only, you know, it was just the best deal ever when it was like 2012 and 2013 and 2011 because they were growing earnings so quickly and the PE was low. It was like the perfect storm. And I can remember even writing an article talking about like, they just can't keep up. Like the price of the stock cannot keep up with the earnings growth. A little bit with what we saw in happening, remember where the price goes up and then the PE actually comes down because the earnings grew faster than the price went up. That's what was happening with Apple. But now you have a complete different scenario with Apple. You have no earnings growth. Seriously, there's no earnings growth here. And you have a PE, as high as it's ever been for Apple, you know, 29, 30 times, maybe back in the tech bubble was more, but the first time, 15 years, it just doesn't add up to that anymore. So you can't say, oh, I've heard the same story that they're just the iPhone. The earnings were growing then though. They were growing so much. The earnings aren't growing right now. They need to find a way to grow earnings to justify paying 30 times earnings. And that's why I sold my Apple. So don't say like I didn't, you know, I've been just saying this. I mean, I owned Apple almost 10 years in my long-term account a long time and i didn't want to sell the apple because i don't want to pay the tax on it but i'm like you know what that's a stupid reason not to sell a stock when you think you know it's coming in and i've yeah. done that before where i was like i don't want to pay the tax on it i'm not going to sell the stock and then i watch the stock implode i'm like why didn't i pay the tax <laughs> so i'm like it's a stupid reason kramer's right it's a stupid reason for holding on to a stock yeah so that's why i think with apple i just think That recipe here is not the same as it was 10 years ago.
0: I agree with that. I did that with this stock and I look at it every day and realize, man, I should have just sold those gains. Uh, But yeah, it happens to the best of us, right, Dennis? And I I think that's all learning lessons. Let's get to our guest today, guys. You guys smashed the like out there. We got an interesting conversation for you. Let me just say that. Hit the like. Let's get to it right now. (laughs) Matt Tuttle here, Tuttle Capital Management, ready to kick it off. And uh, we got a great conversation today. First thing I wanted to ask you about is, of course, we've been seeing a lot of kind of ESG focused before we kind of came out of the pandemic. And after that, we've been seeing a little bit of some pushback. Of course, let's talk a little bit about these companies. Can you elaborate on the concept of being politically neutral and How those characteristics are defined and also what outperformance you might be catching here
2: for us. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen thankfully over the past few months a a lot of pushback on ESG. You're seeing BlackRock and guys like that kind of back away. And I think investors are realizing, you know what, this stuff just doesn't provide the performance, which at the end of the day is what you want. So we've been doing a lot of work on on what we call politically neutral. So, you know, some of the pushback on ESG, you've seen investors move towards, you know, companies that are, you know, on the right side of the spectrum. And, you know, I don't, you know, that hasn't worked very well. I don't think it's going to work. What we've found is the companies that are totally neutral, meaning, we're not getting involved in politics, left or right. We make a product. We're focused on making more of the product, selling more of the product, selling at a higher price. You know, just in in your mind, those companies should do better. And, you know, we've found based on our research and piggybacking off some research, some guys at a company called Second Vote did, we found that's the case. And I mean, it's just one of those things that makes sense that companies that don't get engaged in politics, focus purely on profits, should be more profitable.
1: (laughs) So so let's talk about these companies that are getting involved in politics. And you've recently filed for a couple of new ETFs. Tell us about those and tell us about the companies that potentially are getting involved in these politics that might be um, companies that you're looking to put, you know, actually short maybe in these ETFs.
2: Yeah, so you know, you kind, you guys kind of know my history. When I see things that piss me off, I usually launch an ETF to (laughs) take the other side. Um, And you know, what's going on with companies going woke pisses me off, and it pisses me off from the standpoint of when you are the CEO of a company, you've got a fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders. You know, I don't care what you do, you know, personally, but when you're dealing with your company, if I'm a shareholder of, you know, an InBev, a target, a Nike, a Disney, I'm not gonna I'm not a happy guy. So, you know, we filed for go woke, go broke, you know, GWGB to basically short stocks of companies that that go woke. You know, because you're seeing a lot of, oh, you know, we're gonna boycott. Okay. I mean, fine if you want to boycott, but a boycott doesn't help you. Uh, but what does help you is if someone's stock price is going to tank 20%, let's make let's make some money. The other one we filed is Guns G-U-N-Z. It's a home security index, you know. So guns, tasers, home alarms, all that stuff based on the idea that. Things are not getting safer out there. And someone's got to go out there and, and call that out. I mean, you know, I've got kids who live in New York City and I got a kid who lives in Chicago. That should not frighten me. It scares the crap out of me. And it, and it shouldn't. I mean, those should be safe places for your kids to live. And, and they, they just aren't. So, you know, someone's got to take the side of that. And if, you know, you figure if, things are becoming less safe, then home security will probably become a sector that people want to invest in. So there should be an ETF for that.
1: I, uh, talk I, about the process when you file because obviously you file a lot of ETFs. You've launched uh, just to Matthew's background. If you know, you're talking about these, you know, he, he's done a lot of ETF filings and he's done the Jim Kramer inverse Jim Kramer and obviously the Jim Kramer long Jim short Jim. So Matthew's got a lot of experience filing. Talk about the process. So you file, do you ever get rejected? Like they say, no, you're not allowed to do this. You have oh, oh, it yeah. Way. <laughs> T- talk about like that whole process because it's really cool and it's something you know that I think our listeners would be interested in
2: so we we filed for example for a short bitcoin when bitcoin was about you know at sixty thousand area um and the sec said withdraw this immediately um which is unfortunate because that would have been a really good time to get a short bitcoin out yes you know when bitcoin had already gone down as much as it went down um you know other stuff you just get you know, a, a lot of back and forth. You know, a lot of the two X and the inverse things we do, we get some back and forth. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it takes a while to get those things out. So, you know, we got a bunch of inverse and levered ETFs we have have in filing. I think we've got twelve ETFs right now in filing, um, and we're you know we're having some back and forth conversations on the levered and inverse. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, 2X and and short things have more risk and, yeah. you know, those are going to get more scrutiny. Uh,
0: what I think is, is really great is that you're at least giving the opportunity here to go into the trade in a different way. And I think that that's so important for traders out there. At the end of the day, I always say, you can trade just about everything, right? It's just have a plan and a risk there. And I know Dennis always talks about that. So I think this is great that at least, we have the opportunity to get towards these ETFs. Let's talk about one that's recent, right? That has been getting a lot of action. And we're regarding, of course, Jim Cramer's, right? Recent performance. Let's talk a little bit about that. Can you share the insights on his recent? And and we'll give it to him, his strong performance, but that's leading into the action that we're getting now. What is that telling us?
2: Yeah, so before NVIDIA's earnings in June, Jim was on the Magnificent Seven Stocks. Mm. Now, I would not call that skill. I would call that luck. And, you know, NVIDIA's you know, announcement in their guidance caught everybody by surprise. And yeah, Jim kicked my butt for two straight months. Um, You know, now he's reverted back to below the mean. I mean, most stuff reverts to the mean. Jim, I think, reverts below the mean. And he's he's back to back to his old ways. So, you know, S Jim was up like twelve and a half percent or something last month. It's you know, having it's up, I don't know, two or three percent or something this month. And you know, we're back to Jim being Jim, which you know, I guess you can't expect every single month that you know jim is going to do awfully so yeah all right we took it on the chin for two months but now we're back to where we should be
1: bring it over to kathy too because i mean matt you've launched so many different etfs and you seem to always be launching obviously when people are talking a lot and a couple of years ago people couldn't stop talking about kathy wood so i remember you launched the etf to bet against her and she was she was actually, I watched the interview once, I don't know if you caught it, but she was on CNBC and she was very upset with you that you would actually bet against, <laughs> you know, this disruptive technology that she, you know, tells everybody how, you know, are going to disrupt everything. And she was like, she was flustered even talking about your ETF. And I mean, you're just, you know, and, you, it, and to give you her credit, you didn't just bet against her. You also have the double arc. So you have, you know, where you can bet with her too. So it wasn't just like you were just fully on your betting. You were just giving traders an opportunity to bet with her or bet against her here. But has, did she ever reach out to you or anything when you launched that ETF? I'm just curious because when I watched that CMBC interview, she was flustered that you had launched this ETF to bet against her.
2: No, the, the only thing we heard from them was, um, when we tried to name it the inverse ARKK ETF, they weren't too happy about that that one. (laughs) No, they weren't. Um, but besides that, no, they, they, they never reached out to me. I mean, I've had some awkward, um, encounters with, with, with members of their team, um, you know again i i see things that piss me off and it, it and we launch an ETF for it and and i see opportunity <laughs> i mean i'm a trader yeah, uh,
0: exactly. i mean
2: i knew you know i mean yeah our timing was insanely perfect but i mean i knew what was going on i knew the fed was going to start raising rates i knew that you know they weren't going to be up 100% every single year But, you know, when they were bringing her on and saying she's the next Warren Buffett, I just knew that's wrong. Uh, You know, the environment that created Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, all those guys, that's gone. You know, they're a sector fund and they were in the right sector for a while and then they were in the wrong sector.
0: Yeah. One thing that I'd mention is just uh, we're, we're still up 35% from IPO. And uh, when this came out, I still remember bringing you on, Matt, when that just came out. And that was really at the height of ARKK. And I think that that's very important, is always giving the opposite side trade. We always talk about this, Dennis and I, in the pre-market. There's always two sides of the coin and you got to know the other side of the coin because that sometimes, I'll tell you, The trade could be the flip, right? And I think we clearly see this. We've just seen the recent action. Is the flip on here, Matt?
2: You know, so I am very bearish at the moment. I think what Powell did last week was a game changer. So I think the, the bull case was Fed is done this year and they will aggressively start cutting next year. And I think when we were nearing all-time highs, what was it, a month or so, whenever it was, you know, I think that was based on, you know, yeah, all right, interest rates are high, but, you know, they're, they're coming right back down. And, you know, Powell said no. So for the moment, I am really bearish. I still think the Fed has no idea what they're doing. I think they're making it up as they go along. So I think you are seeing, you know, just like you saw earlier in the year, you saw the pivot bros. You know The Fed's saying higher for longer and they're saying, no, you're going to cut rates this year. Yeah, I think you're, you're seeing that. And I think that's going to hold the market up. And I wouldn't say those guys are wrong because, again, I think the Fed is clueless. I think they're probably going to break something. So the one ETF we have in filing right now I'm the most excited about is we have a 2x short CRE. So 2x short regional bank. I'm just hoping I launch it before, you know, we see some more regional banks go under because those guys aren't too big to fail.
0: Hey, I, I like that one too, Matt. I've been talking about the KRE how it's just been showing weakness and weakness, and I feel like everybody's focused on AI and the next bomb could be here to drop. Definitely going to we, we got two x long
2: that. short AI in filing too. By the way, oh, <laughs> that oh include... that's all over. It's that it doesn't man. include <laughs> Nvidia, so hey. no Nvidia, no Fang and friends. Hey, you know that, it's the, that might emerging actually be smart, right?
0: I I like that. Of course, you guys check out Matt Tuttle here, Chief Executive Officer, Chief Investment Officer at Tuttle, a Tuttle Tactical Management. I Tuttle did Capital. A uh, Tuttle Capital Management here. I did want to throw up here the the strategies that you already have. A link for you guys to check these out and look into them. So here's the direct link to all the strategies that are out right now. Of course, a couple of these in filing. We will stay tuned to find out when these hit the market. It's always good to have you on matt thanks for having me guys thanks Matt. take care and i uh, and of course uh, joel would be uh he saw that you saw that you saw that jacket that michigan jacket oh joel would have loved yeah, that he would have gone at least five michigan. minutes on that but yeah, I'll, yeah I'll we were talking
1: blue we would been blue talk <laughs> for a while there for sure if joel was on but i mean what i why i love matt is yeah he's Gives his opinion, and he's not scared to just come on out and launch an ETF, and it's going to piss some people off, and he doesn't care. And you know, I'm kind of like that. I don't launch ETFs, but I'm like, I give my opinion, and if it's going to piss somebody off, so be it, uh, because I'm just giving my opinions. You know, I'm on here on this show to give opinions. You know, he's out there giving opinions on Twitter, launching ETFs to give opinions. And you know what? Sometimes you got some guts to say what you're thinking, and he says what he's thinking, so he's got guts
0: yeah and i think that's important like i said there's always two sides of the coin i always think about my trade and i can't think about the other trade as being wrong it's just the other side of the trade results are what speaks right we'll see what happens traders let's get back to the market let's take a look at uh some analyst upgrades and downgrades before we get out of here jeffrey's downgrading footlocker we have already talked about this similar with nike but footlocker keeps going down is this just worse to breed now Dennis. Yeah,
1: worst of breed. I've predicted, and it's gonna, I think I'm gonna be correct that this stock is gonna be under 10 bucks within 52 weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think you're seeing gonna see Foot Locker fall off a cliff once again. I think they've got all kinds of problems. People are jumping here for the 9.31% dividend, which is not safe, folks. I believe they will cut that dividend potentially even to zero. They're gonna say the earnings power, they're still making money. While they were arguing that for a long time here. The problem with Foot Locker is is that E is coming down quickly. So I think there could be a a, a certain uh, time period here where they actually start to lose money. So I hate Foot Locker. I've been correct to hate this stock all the way up, all the way down. If you've been listening to this show for years, I've hated Foot Locker for a long time. Very wrong in 2022 because the stock went from 25 to 45. Still hated it. I'm going to end up being right
0: on this one. I can't believe this stock is back down to prices of 86. 1986, guys. What? Yeah. What? About- is that
1: right? Yeah. 1986 pricing in Foot Locker?
0: Yeah. And Foot Locker. What
1: Dennis. chart is that? Is that right? This- you would have got the, but you would have got the dividends all those years. So yeah, I mean, the dividends, the dividends. And there
0: was two for one splits that bring it back to these pricings. But, but that's
1: crazy. I didn't know yeah. that low. Anyways, the, the business is just under attack. It's mall based. It has everything going wrong. Even in you know, if you were in this raging bull market, this is still something that's just I wouldn't want to invest in. So don't get suckered by the dividend, is my opinion. Don't get suckered by the value trap, which Foot Locker has been and continues to be. Absolutely
0: hate it. Jeffries, it's coming out, right? They, I think I, I caught like five ratings today. So Maybe they, they came started up with an Primer, upgrade bro. of AstraZeneca to buy and raising the price target to 80 here on AZN. What do you think about this call? It's definitely contrarian. Uh, health hasn't been as hot as it was. Can they yeah. start moving? I think they're just seeing the technical line here personally. I think it's they're just calling this on Mitch. technicals healthcare is defensive and healthcare has been beat up.
1: So is there a point in time here where healthcare could start to turn it around? I'd have to research further because I wouldn't want to get Pfizered on AstraZeneca because remember this was one of the main over in Europe, even though they Mm -hmm. didn't, I don't know if they ever approved the AstraZeneca shot in the US, but over in Europe, the AstraZeneca shot was the one that they were using everywhere for COVID. So, I mean, we look here and we know what's happened to Pfizer Moderna, and BioNTech. I don't know how much the COVID revenue <laughs> was. So I don't want to get Astra, I don't want to get Pfizer'd on AstraZeneca, because that's what I underestimate how much revenue was, you know, with Pfizer. And we saw what's happened there from the COVID shots. People aren't getting the COVID shot as much as they were in the past. I don't believe they're going to start getting COVID shots more. I think they're going to continue to get them less. Um, because you know it's just, you know, not as dangerous as you know what it was when maybe COVID first came out. So I'm just not a fan of any COVID type stock. I'd want to just research it further to know how much revenue actually was coming from COVID shots with AstraZeneca before I just blindly buy it.
0: Looks like they have a breast cancer drug that's doing really well as of late. And so I think this is what's playing in also to this upgrade. Let's go to a downgrade on Urban Outfitters. Uh, URBN, of course. Um, And this is starting to come back down. I've been looking at companies like this with like, let's say like A&F that just shot off to the moon. And this is coming back down, but it still hasn't broken that gap there. So like Urban, what do you think about these? uh, Definitely consumer facing stocks. We know Urban, A&F are
1: two that have held up very well. Um, Whether they've just found the niche where it's still people are still going to these stores and buying their clothes. Um, But again, if consumer spending starts to slow down, which I predict it will, do that i think you'll see less people and clothes again people say they're, they're not discretionary you got to wear clothes but you have to go buy new clothes you know you can wear your clothes a little bit longer so it is discretionary um in my opinion um these are i'd rather own an urban or an a f than a kohl's but just because the kohl's the problem with kohl's and macy's nordstrom's is the size of those stores i mean these abercrombie and fitch stores are a lot smaller urban outfitters mall based again um smaller I don't want to own any of these things but I would say I'd rather own these than those big department stores but I don't want to own any of them
0: what about this upgrade on Microsoft from Gutenheim is this just uh trying to turn around a stock that keeps falling like a rock I have a day trading position Microsoft so I'll just limit my opinion on it no worries but I I, at least I'll give you guys uh, some opinions here at least uh the hourly I see the 315 support there that doesn't hold well, this could keep going lower. And one thing I've mentioned with Microsoft, when it was starting to grind back to 4- 340s, I, I mentioned that this was this stock that first broke the AI bubble, kind of. And we can say that when it started mentioning about gradually seeing revenue, right? That was this topping action. It came down. I was wondering if it was going to climb the AI bubble back. But no, we can clearly see that it's also driving down. And if anything, from the peak, where Microsoft is right now, what are we down? We're down 13%, 14%. Will this get down into the 20%? That's kind of the area that I'm looking at. I'm looking at this gap to the left, and I'm starting to wonder if we could go and fill this gap here. If we can come and fill this gap back below 300s, that might be when I'm looking at Microsoft again. But for right now, I think it's a no-touch for me. All right, Two let's go minutes. to oil. What about oil? Will oil go higher? Um, I wanted to just take a quick little look at that, Dennis. This had started to turn around. Oxy, you can see that. That was a pretty strong turnaround. MRO, what are you thinking about oil, Dennis? Pops and
1: in oil, the fifty-two week high. I don't know about the commodity, but the oil stocks fifty-two week high is in. I think you're. I think the twenty twenty-three high is in. I think you got to be mm. selling oil into pops, the oil stocks. So I think we've had a good run here. Oil, obviously, driver. But if consumer demand goes down, that's not good for oil either here. So um, I'm not a fan of owning the oil stocks. So I do own still PXD. It's the only one I have. Very small position. Um, I sold my Oxy. Um, If Oxy comes back down to 56, 57, I'll probably buy just because it's the Warren Buffett buy zone. But until then, um, I'm just out for oil here, too. If I'm predicting a consumer slowdown, I'm not buying oil stocks.
0: All right, let's start doing a little wrap-up. It's 8.58, guys. Let's take a look here at the overall market. Any last comments, Dennis? We keep dropping. Uh, of course, I, I think that you know the Max Payne trade now might be to actually uh, turn around on the bears out there, but what are you thinking, Dennis?
1: Uh, I think rallies are to be sold. Again, the bears are in so much control right now that I feel like we've got some type of relief pop or something in store. Again, mm-hmm. though, like it's harder to sit around and wait for that. And I mean, if you're sitting in margin, in, I don't want you selling in the hole. I want a, a rally for you guys to sell. But I mean, we've been talking about selling stocks on the show for a long time and been wrong, you know, up until, you know, recently here. I think bears just remain in complete control. I think rallies are going to be sold. I'm hoping we don't, you know, on this talk of a crash this week, I don't think that's happening. Like, people are really nervous. They think we're going to fall, like, 10% this week. I don't think that's happening. We fell 5% the last two weeks. That's pretty significant. I think your 420 S&P zone that you're giving, Mitch, I think that's a good area to think about a technical bounce. Again, that would be another 90 handles lower here on the S&P. But we just came down 200. So it's not like we can't do another 90. I think that's a zone that I would start looking at different stocks. And again, have your shopping list. Apple's definitely not on my shopping list, but there are stocks, you know, that I would buy on pullbacks. Would yeah. I buy Google on a significant pullback? You know, if it got back down to like 110, probably would I go and, you know, and again, just, you know, you've got to look at obviously your valuations and look at metrics. Would I buy Tesla at 200 bucks? Maybe. Um, but there's, uh, there's going to be opportunities here. Have your shopping list, but i just tell you bears are in complete control. And I'm, If I was margined long stocks right now, I'd be really nervous.
0: Yeah, I think you got to just look for those nice 50% retracements, at least for discounts coming back, right? That's what i would be looking for. Um, And and if that could happen, then maybe I can get some kind of pullback. Tesla, just to put it in perspective, 61.8 golden mean right underneath it around the 240. So to me, that needs to bounce pretty soon. If not, this negates the trend. We'll see what happens there on Tesla. My overall market outlook is just that, you you know, one thing I always look at is as we start going in one direction, I'm always looking for at least to see a little bit of that psychology come in where everyone's playing one direction and the market goes the other way. Another thing to look at, historical RSI. I always point to this and I always try to point to it. Why? Because right around this area, right around the 20 area for the S and P 500. It's usually when we get a little bit of a bounce. So in the next kind of couple of days, I will be looking for that bounce to try to play it. Of course, this could be a bounce to be sold. Like always, we'll see what happens. Trading is a game and we'll see if we can able to win today. Any last words, Dennis, it's time to go do what you do best, my friend no
1: again just nervous on this market disappointed to see you know and again i've been right here but i'm disappointed to see every bounce like we're up overnight we're holding up overnight what happens by nine o'clock we start to give it back it's like relentless selling here there's fear out there now folks people you know that soft landing people are saying crap maybe we're not going to have a soft landing so again we're getting to the point of oversold i'm hoping for a technical bounce just to like get out of more stocks, not looking, you know, to like enter here and then try to flip them out here. I think the risk is too high just for entering. That's why we keep going down every day because you got all the technical analysts that are all like, you know, like people who have been, you know, on the bull train just because technical has been good and stocks above 200 day moving averages, a well, lot of them below there. So I'm like, so they're not buying. The people who are, you know, like me who have been like, you know, obviously sitting on the bear camp probably too long, you know, when it when it got to, you know, June and May and March wrong in those for sure. Um, those people, you know, aren't buying. So I'm like, who's buying here? That's why we're, we've got a lack of buyers. It isn't like we're just getting you know, hammered with so much selling pressure here. We simply got a buyer strike going on here. And you know what? For good reason, stocks are expensive folks.
0: Now we need some kind of positive catalyst coming in and it can't just be that we see a pivot in late 24 and that's, what's going to move the market up from here. I think we're way too far out for that action to lead the party. So will a consumer be strong enough to survive this downturn? Things that we'll be talking about, of course, right here on Pre-Market Prep. Keep up with all the action. Today, of course, we covered uh, the Rider Strike, Amazon's AI, Morgan Stanley's Michael Wilson talk, Warren Buffett, of course, HPQ. And we talked about this week's earnings. Keep up with all of them, of course, using Benzinga Pro. If you don't got your two-week trial, check down the description below. And get to the action let's go do what we do best dennis and get to our trading action we'll see you guys over on live trading that's coming up next